This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. So, Lee, can we put the first slide up? I was really thinking about this because I was preparing, and actually, accountability, I had forgotten it was Father's Day. I know, I know, I know. That's it, I've just got to say. You know, so I'd forgotten. But then I remembered... And um, I changed bits of the message to say the word father a lot more. And um, that's what I've done. That's what I've done. So this, um, I've, I've got this quote, okay? So I was thinking about it. I was thinking, oh, oh quick, I'll Google some um, famous fathers in the Bible. Famous fathers in the Bible. Okay, yeah, Moses must have been a father. Right, Samuel was. Oh, he was, yeah, his children were naughty. Eli was, his children were naughty. David was. Well, I've never said about that. And then I thought, you know, Father's in the Bible. Come on, Lord. Father's in the Bible. Father's in the Bible. And then I went, oh, yeah, God. God. Because we forget he's our father, don't we? We forget that we have that connection with him as a father. And we've sung it this morning. Yes, he's our, you know, he sent Jesus. He is everything that we need him to be. But he's also our father. So today, irrespective of the relationship that you may have or may not have with your human father, today you need to recognize that there is a father in heaven who loves you, who is for you, who sent his son to die for you and would do anything for you. Amen. So that's our stance on Father's Day today. So I got this quote that I wrote out. So I have to wear my glasses for this. And I, Because I, this is what God wants. So when you have a father, and we all have a father, God is our, everyone's father, you are allowed to have a free-flowing, open relationship with your father. Amen? You are, no, listen to me, because people are looking at me like I'm dem- I've just said something in Serb Croat. Okay? You are allowed... Indeed, we are encouraged to have an open, flowing relationship with the Most High God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are encouraged to love him because he first loved us. And that's where we stand. So this quote is from Dr. Robbie Sonderegger, who I heard speak a few years ago. And he said this, The last thing Jesus came to do was start a new religion. Rather, he came to start a relationship. Religion is people reaching out to get God relationship is God reaching out to us do you get that so religion is people reaching out to get God but relationship is God reaching out to us isn't that beautiful and that's what he does that's what he does every day that's what he does every second that's what he does every nanosecond whatever you are doing wherever you are God is reaching out to you why because he loves you and desires to have relationship with you how beautiful that is the God who flung the stars into space. That is the God who measures the oceans of the world in the palm of his hand. That's the God for whom the nations are like a drop in a bucket and he every single second desires relationship with you. Amen! Come on! That's amazing, isn't it? And on that note... We're going to jump right into it. So this is from Acts. Okay, it's that famous Father's Day message, Philip and the eunuch. Okay, this is where we're going. But I think what this, you know, what this describes is how our relationship with God should be. I love this word. I love this bit in the Bible. I love the Bible. Read the Bible, guys. That's really important because this chapter that I'm going to talk to you about is all about reading the Bible. Because why do we read the Bible? Because it tells us more about God. Why does it tell us more about God? Because God wants to tell us more about himself. Why does he want to tell us more about himself? Because he wants us to have a full and loving relationship with him. And you can't have a full and loving relationship with somebody you don't know and haven't met. 
So today, if you've never met him before, you might have been a Christian for 400 years. If you have never met him before, today is the day. Resolve your heart to meet with him face to face through Jesus Christ, his son. Amen. That's how auspicious today is. You just thought you were walking through the rain to church, but today is the day you get to meet with the most high God. The most high God who desires nothing more but relationship with you. Amen. It's a big deal. And it was done for you. Oh, I love it. So here we go. So Act 8. Now, the, I think the NIV version is going to come up. Yes, it says. I've got the message version here, but let's read the NIV anyway. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that leads down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. If I ever get an honour from the Queen, that's the one I want. Candice, Queen of the Ethiopians. That's what I'm aiming for, okay? This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the, the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak for his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Let's stop that there. He told him the good news about Jesus. So here we're going to start. I might need to move this a little bit further out the way. Oh gosh, I've squashed my phone. Nobody panic. Not that you were, thanks for that. Really, really appreciate your concern, everyone. Okay, so here we are. First things first. Let's go back to like verse 24. This, I'm starting with a sub point so that we get it out the way. First of all, an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip. Now, this happens regularly in the Bible, doesn't it? And we see in the Old Testament just how big a deal that is. For example, when Moses saw one, it said to Moses, you know, this is a burning bush right here. And you may very well want to take note of this. And Moses was greatly afeared. You know, when it appeared to Abraham under the trees at Mamre, Abraham hadn't recognised him. But when he did, he killed the fatted calf and made the meal for him. And that's when the angel of the Lord told Sarah, in a year you'll have a baby. And they fell on their faces and they worshipped the Lord their God. When it appeared to Joshua, he said, you take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And Joshua was much afeared. When it appeared to Gideon, he didn't recognise him. But when he did, he was greatly afeared. When they saw the angel, it was a big deal. This is God himself coming down to speak into the affairs of men. Yes? Because at that time, you see, the angel of the Lord had to appear in that way because Jesus Christ had not come to the earth. So when the angel was appearing, it was speaking directly to the people. But Philip, when he saw the angel, just said, yeah, all right. Because what I love about that is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is they were used to having God amongst them. 
because Jesus Christ had lived among them and the Holy Spirit had been given to them and they were living in a new paradigm where they were used to seeing God in the stuff they did and listened and were attentive to what he wanted them to do. So it was not a big deal when he showed up because their friend was telling them what to do. You get it? So in the Old Testament, yeah, I mean, due reverence to God here. All glory, all reverence to God. But they had discovered that God was a father and a friend who directed their steps. You with me? So in the Old Testament, it was the angel of the Lord appearing in all auspiciousness to direct the steps of man, as he did with Mary. Yes? In this case, it's the angel of the Lord appearing and saying, come on, we've got work to do, let's go. And the people of God going, I'm here, let's go. Do you see the difference? But isn't the angel of the Lord marvellous? No, some of you think so, which is nice. That's encouraging for a church on Sunday. That's some of you think that. Well done. Okay. Point one. When the angel of the Lord speaks to you, start listening. Point one. Are we listening? The message I've, I've called this today, right, is called just ask. Because if today you can't hear God, ask him. Ask him, what are you saying to me? I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we will find that he's been talking to us an awful lot. But we just haven't been attentive. And when I say attentive, I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I mean that our ears haven't been open to what, exactly what he's saying. We're looking for the next thing and the next thing or a different thing and a different thing. If God has given you a word to live by, do that until he tells you something else. But we look for caveats and addendums and PSs and point one and subpoints. I love a subpoint. But you know, we are to be attentive to what God is doing in our own lives and to listen to Him in all submission and honesty and do that. Yes? See, that's the other key. Do it, do that. Don't do what you think he might also like you to do when he's told you to do something. Don't add bells and whistles. God doesn't need our bells and whistles. What God most delights in is when he asks us to do something, and he asks, by the way. It's not a suggestion, and he's not so mealy-mouthed and spiteful that he tells you. He asks if you would. God is looking for open and obedient hearts to do his will. Some will say yes, others will say no. But God will find someone who will say yes and ask them. Yeah? So if he's asked you to do something and you don't do it, rest assured, friends, he will find someone who will. And then it's up to us. We sit there in our despair sometimes saying, but why is he not doing it for me? He asked maybe. He asked and we didn't do. So if God is asking you to do something today, don't be dominated by yourself and your own agenda and the voice inside you that is telling you, but did God really say that? Now, we've heard that before, haven't we? Way, 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 way back when, in the garden. Did God really say that? If God said it, it is on us as believers to do it. No bells and whistles. No second guessing. We do it. So that's point one. Yes? If God is talking, listen. Do we tell our children that? All the time. I do. All the time. All the time. 19 years with them. Listen! Okay? We ask all the time, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. But we don't do it when God speaks to us. We would much rather do our own thing. Listen, that's because we're human, yes? There's no judgment here today. The flesh within us, that is the battle for the Christian, yes? Where the sinful nature and the human nature are constantly in tension because we are human and want to do what we want to do. 
That is the truth of it. But if we submit our will to his will, we will find freedom indeed. And that's where joy comes. That's where the goodness of God is evident in our lives. Because we have kept his commandments. Not because we get a special gold star or an extra treat from keeping them, but in keeping them itself. Do you understand? Okay? The joy of the Lord is in keeping his commandments. That, these are the jokes, folks, as uh, Mike Wazowski and Monsters Inc. would say. i got nothing else. Do you know what I mean? This is it. The joy of the Lord is in keeping his commandments. He doesn't say, do you know what? You can do what you like. Don't bother forgiving, but I'll find joy in you some other way. The bottom line, the non-negotiable nature of our relationship with God is we are obedient to his calling and what he asks us to do. And the very least God expects us to do is forgive. He dev never lets us off that hook, church. Because he has forgiven us. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So if we have been forgiven much, we who deserve little, the very bottom line God expects from us is the forgiveness of others. You get it? So listen to what he's saying. We need to listen. If he says you need to forgive that person, Andrea. But I don't think you understand, Lord. It's a bit more complicated than that. He's like, do you know I'm God, right? I named the stars, babe. Forgive. You know, there is nothing that he doesn't know. He knows every nuance and shade of every battle you're going through. And he would still have obedience from you, friends. I'll do a little song and dance at the end. It'll be all right. Don't worry. Okay. And then we get to a point. So that's the first point. Yes. Listen. Listen. The second point I've got here now then is, God asks him again. So God takes him out of where he is and then says to him, now, Philip, if you would, young man, go up to that chariot and speak to the person inside it. Like, pardon? Pardon? This is like being in Whitehall, okay, in London, and a diplomat car pulls up, a rather spanky Daimler or Bentley, I don't know, but it'll be a diplomat's car, and then God says to you, knock the window and speak to the person inside and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah? That's exactly what we're talking about. And what is required? Now, most of us will go, that's absolutely, Lord God, in the wisdom of your holiness, that's bonkers. <laughs> With all due respect, Lord. You know, but we, that's what we would say. But Philip was like, okay, let's go, because they were used to living in the presence of God. They were used to living in the presence of God. They were used to having this reflexive relationship with God where he asked, they did. Yeah? He loved, they loved back. So it was this fluid, reflexive relationship where they just did it. So here, what was absolutely key is our wholehearted obedience to the destiny that God has implanted in each and every one of us through Jesus Christ, his son, so we are not just obedient to what God wants to do in me. Throw a few jewels my way, Lord, I'll be obedient to that. No, it's actually obedient to the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So do you see? So he wants wholehearted obedience, but he also wants your submission. So when we are submitted to God in the glory of his holiness, that's when God calls us his children. Yes, Jesus Christ died for us. That is a fixed point. But when we do his will, this is how they know that you love me. 
That's what the Bible tells us. This is how they'll know you're one of mine. Because you do what I tell you and you love me. I'm paraphrasing, but that is basically what it says. And what does submission look like? It looks like this. It looks like this. If you need to be on your knees in front of God today, get on your knees in front of God. If you need to be on your face in front of God today, get on your face in front of God. Because we become less and he becomes more. Do you understand what the difference is here? So when God asks you to do something, it isn't even a question of having the choice to say no to God because Jesus died Christ died for you. Are you with me? Are you with me in understanding this? So when Philip met the eunuch, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, you know, when he met all that, and it's like, wow, what's going on here? He wasn't just doing it because he's some automaton and thought, oh, it's probably the right thing to do, so I should do it. He is in such a place of confidence and submission to the Lord, his God, he can do whatever he asks. And I'll think about the consequences later. This might mean my death. I'll think about that later. They love the Lord, their God, and to death, it says. They knew that this was not good for them. They knew that some of them might end in death. At this time, okay, Acts 8, we are told right at the beginning of Acts 8, the church was experiencing terrific persecution. That's the backdrop to Philip doing this. The backdrop to Philip loving God enough to do whatever he says is Saul murdering Stephen and stoning Christians and getting them to recant their faith. That's what they used to do used to drag them in court and in front of everything, get them to recant their faith in Jesus Christ. That was the backdrop to Philip doing this. This was a dangerous assignment. We aren't fearful of that, are we? The worst we might experience in Ammonford and Llanelli is a little bit of eye rolling and maybe a bit of name calling. God bother her. You know, nobody is going to drag you out of your bed make you recant your love of Jesus in front of your family and then stone you. That is not going to happen. We have laws to prevent that happening. You know, but it is not going to happen. But the backdrop to their submission and wholehearted obedience in Jesus Christ was the risk of death. Come on. So we live in a world, and you know what? This is the 20th century. This is the way we live now. Is that what's in it for me? What's in it for me? So I'll do this. Do I, will everybody know? Can you hashtag me in it? Will I get a like off it? Will my name be mentioned in dispatches? What's in it for me? If I'm going to obey you, God, can you let everybody know I was doing it? Bible tells us, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. When, you know, it's not about our glory. It's not about this church's glory. It's about God's glory. And he won't share. Right? He won't. And he doesn't have to. And he shouldn't have to because he is the most high God. So when we give his glory to him, anything we want in return, any praise that we want for us, just chips away at his glory. And let me tell you, friends, he will not have it. He will not have it. He will not share his glory with another. He certainly won't share it with me. And he shouldn't have to. So we all okay with that? Yeah, excellent. Yay, Father's Day, right? Yay. Do you know what? Easiest thing in the world would be to stand up here and say on Father's Day, hey, guess what? Jesus loves you and uh, God's your father. All the best. But you know what? The word of God is a challenge. It is an affront to those who don't believe it. So today, let's embrace that challenge, shall we? 
Oh, who knew that Philip was so Father Day friendly? This is marvelous. Okay, point three, he asks another question. Okay, so Philip, when he's told to go up, and now it's a knock on the door. Hello, Mr. Eunuch, um, what are you reading? And he goes, oh, well, I'm reading this here, Isaiah 53. Nothing is left to chance with God. He is reading the scripture which describes the travail, brutal murder, torture, but glorious ascension of our Lord God. That's what he's reading. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? How can I? How many times do we say that? How can I do this? How am I meant to understand that? How am I meant to serve? How am I supposed to? How am I meant to find the time? How am I meant to care? Do you know what's going on in my life? How am I meant to care about other people? When you know, do you know what I'm going through? How many times do we say to God, well, how can I do it? But all the time we're praying to God to act on our behalf. But your answer to prayer might be in helping somebody else. Yes? You here today, every single one of us here today, we are the answer to somebody else's prayer. But if we don't say, no, but instead we say, well, how can I? Or, what? Pardon? No, I won't knock the window. I won't bother going to have that conversation. I won't say that prayer. I won't bake that cake. I won't say that hello. I won't smile that smile because very often that's all it is. We withhold people. We withhold when it's called upon us to love. So what we do is that we annotate our, our response to God. We become our own narrator of our own life. So the very author of life himself becomes but a footnote in our history because I write my story. Yeah? How many of us here, and be honest with yourselves today, you are my friends. You are my friends and I love you. So let's be honest with ourselves today. How many of us are writing our own story rather than relying on the arch narrator, the biggest author, God himself? How many of us are writing in our own chapter headings? How many of us are writing in our own footnotes and subpoints? How many of us are adding in characters that should never be in our story, but we're adding them in? How many of us are doing that? How many of us are writing our own story instead of leaving it to our, the author of life himself? How many of us are doing that? How can I? How can I do this? How can I explain the scriptures to someone? Well, you know what? If you read them, and you love God, and you understand it, you will. You will be called upon to give an answer for your faith. If not to a human being, when we get to heaven, we will. Amen? God's going to ask you one question. What do you do with my son? <laughs> That's, that is it. What did you do with my son? And it's on us to answer that. And you know what? I can say, well, you know what? I spent an awful lot of money in H&M, Lord, and... Um, I didn't tell anyone about Jesus. And I went to work and I was really brilliant at my job, but I didn't tell anyone about Jesus. And I had great friends and a really close circle. My tribe were fantastic, but I didn't tell any of them about Jesus. And I had a lovely life and I died in my bed with my family around me and it was beautiful, but I didn't tell any of them about Jesus. That's what we're asked to do. That's Father's Day because God sent his son to die for us so that none might perish. That is the heart of God, that none might perish. So he'll ask you, what did you do with my son and who have you brought? Yeah, yeah? yeah. I want a train of mates with me. Come on, come on, 
Storming the gates of heaven. Jesus, we're here. Let's go. Yeah? Cup of tea and biscuits. Because Jesus is a tea drinker. I don't know if you know that. You know? He doesn't do coffee. But we are slow to pick up the mantle that we should because we spend too long asking, how can I? How can I? How can I? And in the meantime, there are people in our world who know nothing about Jesus. We have the Lord in our life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? We say these things. You know what? I think we need to move from a place, especially now at this time, where we become committed to being people who don't trot out scriptures like lucky charms. Serious. Perfect love casts out all fear. What does that mean to anyone? What does that mean to anyone unless you're standing with them and saying, I know you are riddled with anxiety right now and you are buckling under the pressure. But let me tell you, there's a God in heaven who loves you and would have you whole, my friend. You know, we need to be living out the scriptures, don't we? Don't we? We need to be living that out. You are the answer to someone else's prayer. Yes? So we are our own story writers. We are doing our own thing. And all the while people are praying, send me a friend. Send me a friend. Send me somebody who can understand this scripture for me. What are you saying, Lord? And we're too interested in the minutiae of our own lives. <sighs> I know I am. I know I am. It's in everyone's best interest here that I'm a Christian. Because I am selfish to my core. And I'm not the only one. Everyone's looking around going, not me. Right? I'm not the only one. If I wasn't a Christian, when push came to the shove, it's me I'd put first, not you. Right? Bottom line, me and my boy, we come first. You know? If there's a fire, I'll run over your backs to get me and him out first. Right? But that's what we think. Instead, no, we wouldn't. We'd make sure everybody got out because the heart of God is that none would perish. Do you get me? It's where a paradigm shift happens, where our perspective changes from one of our tiny, tiny, tiny little world where we are most important to the vastness of the heavens of the most high God. And he says, I've given you all this. I've given you all this. You understand? We pray for stuff, don't we? We pray for God to move. We pray for it. And the Bible is really clear. It says this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, we spend so long inside our own heads, inside our own homes, inside our own hearts, overthinking. Oh, there's a 21st century curse, right? The curse of overthinking everything and missing what God wants to do in our lives, which is to love him more than we love ourselves and to love people second. Yeah? We are third on that list. Jesus, others me yeah that's how it works and instead we get bogged down with the trivia of our own lives now some of your trivia to you saying andrew you've got no right to say that my trivia might be very important and you are right and if it matters to you it matters to god but as a loving friend if it takes you off course from what you should be doing let's reason together because you were running a good race who cut in and pulled you down that's what the bible says you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who pulled you down? Who stopped you running? Why did somebody else's lane look more attractive? Why didn't you hand that baton on? Why didn't you hand that baton on? Why didn't you train the children how to run? Why aren't we doing it? 
but this is what today is all about. Amen. To meet with the Lord your God, to submit before the Lord your God, to confidently approach the throne of glory and say, I desire nothing more but relationship with you, Lord God. Everything else is waste. I only want you. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your lunches. Hey, what? This is a whole new world. This is a brave new world for some of us who have never done this before, whose fear, whose shame, whose guilt, whose life, you feel you're unworthy to approach the throne of God. Let me tell you, that is a lie. That is a lie. Jesus Christ died for everyone. And we come on to the final point that I've got to make, which is this. Philip preached an exclusive message inclusively. The, God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is exclusive, which makes it an affront to people. For there is only one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. God the Father, Christ the Son. There is no other. It is an exclusive gospel and that gospel why was philip so effective because that gospel was a fixed principle in his heart jesus was a fixed principle in his heart principle is a defining thing that changes your behavior jesus christ was is is to come he's the same yesterday today forever he is unchanged and unchangeable he is everything that you need and the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms so that you can be transformational in your world. So anybody who thinks I've done too much, I've done too much, I'm carrying too much, God won't want me. This isn't a question of answers, Andrea. It isn't a question of having God speak to me. I don't even hear him because I can't because I'm so ashamed and guilt-ridden. And today Jesus Christ is saying, lift up your head. Lift up your head and see God, your Father, who adores you. He adores you, friends. So lay down what you are carrying and fully embrace what Jesus Christ has for you, which is life itself. You see, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. That doesn't mean death sometimes, does it? You'll just have a life of regret, a life of guilt, a life of shame. A life carrying baggage you were never designed to carry. Burdened and wearied and worn down by what the enemy wants to rob you of. Which is what Jesus Christ died for. Relationship with the Most High God. So it's this time where we lay down what we want and pick up what he wants to do his will and not my own. You see, the Bible tells us, doesn't it, in Galatians, it says, nothing is more important than this, faith expressing itself as love. That's what the most important thing is. You might be thinking, I do believe, I do believe, but this is more than assent. This is more than your head going, I agree with you, Andrea. I agree that Jesus did that. I agree. This is now moving to a place where your heart is fully engaged and fixed on Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And you walk in the power that drew him up out of the grave that now resides in you. Amen? How marvellous, isn't it? So what we have to do now is lay aside everything that this world, our own ego and the enemy wants to rob us of. And say, I'm here. Send me. 
I'll knock on the door. Andrea, I want you to do that. Okay. Okay. Go and speak to that person. Okay. Okay. Say this to them. Okay. Andrea, that person over there, sir, go and pray with them. Okay. Not think, oh, I'll have a cup of tea first. Yeah? I'll have a cup of tea first and speak to my mates and the people who I like and like me. Then I'll go and pray with that person. This starts in a small way, doesn't it? But it is world-changing, friends. World-changing. And the heart of God is relationship. We were created for relationship. We were created to love. That is the heart of God. And so today, as we finish up, I just want you to be in a place that says, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, love me like I love you. It's all reciprocal. God doesn't need you to love him back, but he really wants you to love him back. Because he's still God and always will be God. Nothing changes that. But what he wants, oh, friends, he would have you whole. He would have you healed. He would have you living a life for him that is based on the love of Jesus Christ in our heart. That is a fixed principle, unchanged and unchangeable. Friends, he would have you whole and healed here this morning. Can we pray? Is that okay? Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the honour and privilege of serving you. We thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross, Lord God, that you love us so much. We thank you for the privilege of being able to stand before you as a co-heir with Christ and have you call us a friend and a child. Lord God, I pray for the people here today and myself. I pray for us, Lord, that if we need a healing touch, if we need to know you afresh, draw us close to you today, Lord God. Pull us into your embrace where we know that it is the supernatural love of God in our heart that is changing everything in us that we can move on in power, Lord. We thank you that you never change. We thank you that your love never changes. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Amen. No praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.